and the thing that I love about our histories and our herstories, did you think of yourself, what was going on in the political world or in the world of your childhood? Um, well, there was a lot of chaos going on in, in the world of my childhood, and it's a bit, my childhood was a bit complicated. Um, mm -hmm. So my parents, my um, mother and father got divorced when I was pretty young, um, and it that sort of spiraled us into some pretty deep poverty in yep. the larger part of town, which is where I'm sitting right now. Mm -hmm. um, up in some government housing and we um uh you know had a difficult time and um and so there was always the chaos of my mom like working three jobs and um you know no education my real father had like an eighth grade education and my my mother um had to get her ged later on so that was sort of that part of it. And then um, when she met my stepfather, we moved into um, closer into those hollers under Shenandoah National Park. And that's a different kind of poor, but it was a happier poor for me. I could be outside. Yeah. I can remember laying in the grass for the first time and watching the clouds go over and just kind of being at peace. Um, and so I was always a really positive, happy um resilient person um and could find a lot of happiness in all of these circumstances but it's also a lot why my writing ends up being kind of what it is how did you get into writing so i mean i'm just really lucky um because i had no um no reason to do it um and and no real influences um but i started writing when i was a teenager uh, just as an outlet um for uh, stress and for um, all of the, um, you know, incredible hardships that we faced and yeah. and that all teenagers, you know, <laughs> do. And um, all those easy years, right? The, the, the teenage years when when the estrogen and the testosterone <laughs> are mixing in their own. Yeah. Levels. Mixed with, you know, um, mixed with there was you know mental health stuff going on in my family and there you yep. know the poverty and so i i i would write in a journal i mean that's sort of how it began and then i i'm of the age where i was kind of a grunge kid you know in the mm -hmm. early days and you know listening to pearl jam and nirvana and like and and when my mom met my stepfather he was an amazing bluegrass musician so every thursday night there would be a whole bluegrass jam at our house we <sighs> Know, banjos and guitars and stand-up basses and then I also was like super into this grunge stuff and so I started writing, <laughs> writing some really um you know horrible lyrics for a uh, band in high school I mean I can remember one of the names was thrash bag <laughs> so and the and the lyrics were just terrible you know what I mean like the stars and the yeah. moon like like you know, angst and, and, and terribly written, but it, it definitely, um, I was on that sort of path and then, and then I started to grow up and I kind of set it all down and left it behind, um, and stopped writing. Just stopped, just stopped. Had you been playing that particular instrument that you have right there? Had you had a connection to it? No, the main connection was that my stepfather um, did play the banjo and he also played the guitar and mm -hmm. was a 
singer and storyteller. He was passing down, you know, like ballad tunes to me. I write a bunch of those too, where I don't play any instrumentation. And I'm, I'm really all about those as well. I, I love to write them and I love to sing them because it reminds me of that way that we would pass down stories of our life. Um, but no, I really wasn't connected to the banjo at, at all or, or anything like that. I mean, I was like, you know, going and seeing the Grateful Dead. I was, you know, I was on a path. I went and traveled and like, you know, left home like you should and, and just took off and drove across the country, you know, three different times and with no money. And, um, but I, I was not, um, I didn't ever think that I would be a musician. I didn't ever think that I would be playing any instrumentation. Um, it, it wasn't in my childhood. There was no space for that growing up. And then and then I didn't even do it as an adult. Um, and then- Who did you think you were? Who did you think you were as you were driving across the country? What was what was going through your head as to, okay, this is who Corlin Green is? I, it took me a really long time to work that out. And I also think that I, um, I think that I didn't discover that until later, even later than other people. Like I can remember thinking like, oh, this person figured out and she's my age, you know, I wanted to be free. I wanted to be free um, because mm -hmm. I was a happy person with a happy disposition. But I, there was all kinds of turmoil around me. I just wanted to get in the car and I wanted to escape and I wanted to leave and I wanted to be free. And I didn't want anyone to ever tell me that life had to be hard again. I didn't want to, um, you know, accidentally get pregnant. I didn't want to, mm -hmm. you know, do anything where there would be some way in which I would fall into poverty that wasn't like a way I could get out of. So yeah. I had no problem being poor. I had no problem taking any kind of job. I had a good work ethic. But I, I, when I got in the car, I just wanted to be free. I wanted to believe in the universe that even though I didn't have any money or any life experience or any college education, that people would take care of me and that I would be okay and that I would learn, you know, I would just start to learn who I was. And so most of that driving and most of that like out West stuff was, was that belief coming true. People did take care of me and people did, um, if I was ever in trouble, there would be some person, you know, who was good and kind. And, um, and so I was poor and I was happy and I was, I was sometimes on a Greyhound bus and I was, and I was, I started writing on the Greyhound bus again, because how could you not? I mean, it is. <laughs> I mean, it is such a, I mean, it's just such a conglomeration. I have spent many, many hours and days on bus trips and, and that, and, and it's such a really interesting conglomeration of people. Yes. I started writing some poetry then because, you know, yeah, the people and, you know, at that time in my life too, like all I owned was a backpack and I was headed mm -hmm. somewhere at that time, I think I was headed to California and, um, you know, it was, it was just, it was another life. It was a life I recognized. It was like poor people in the city. Mm -hmm. Oh, and, and so there was something I recognized and there were things I didn't recognize, you know, and, did you did you relate all to across cultures that that to be black and to be poor, to be brown and to be poor, to be white and to be poor has different uh, exit strategies and different ways of doing it? Did that did that relate to you? I mean, certainly on the bus, because the bus is such a microcosm of of racial integration on a bus. Mm -hmm. um, 
So what I would say is, um, I, I originally, you know, grew up in a neighborhood that was pretty diverse, but obviously when I got into the holler, it was not diverse at all. Um, and so what I would say about that is that I think I have understood, um, that being poor and being white is a really different thing than being poor and being, um, of color. Um, because we were all doing the same escape-isms. We were all, you know, trying to get out of there. We were all doing things we shouldn't have been doing. I knew plenty of um, people who were selling drugs. But ultimately, the people of color went to jail. And the people who weren't of color usually could either get out of that or, in my case... I could be very careful that I didn't have too much of an accent, country accent. I could be very careful that, um, you know, I could do certain things, but because of my skin color, I could just meld into a world where you didn't know that I didn't have an education, where you didn't know that I had come from that. And that was my exit strategy for a long time. And only in self-reflection now do I realize what a what a privilege that is. And, um, and that that's not true for everyone. And, uh, yeah. it let me out the door. It really did. And then seeing when we talk about the gender politics of it, because I know that when I am, because as a 73 year old white male, I can look at the world because it was always when I was growing up, the people that were in charge or in power were always a reflection of both my skin tone and my gender. Now, as we're seeing that, so did you have, did did you see it from a gender perspective? At that time, not at all. Um, You know, I mean, I grew up in in those, you know, um, deep evangelical, you know, Virginia hollow religion Mm -hmm. uh, where, you know, men, you know, you were to submit to. It was normal. You know, that whole, and then your whole world was that. And. Um, so at the time, no, not at all. And I think I tried to be a good girl for a really long time. That was part of that, um, was, you know, not seeing that or being aware of that. Um, I think I'm more aware of that now. I was less aware of that then. Um, but I'm more aware of that now that I'm a musician, to be quite honest with you, because I find that there are conversations that happen with me don't believe what happened if I were a man. I recently had a conversation with somebody who, who knows a lot about the music industry where I live. And, you know, there, there were some things that I was like, that's, I like, yeah, that I'm, I'm pretty sure that that conversation wouldn't be happening if I were a male musician. And, and, uh, and the assumption that I needed help or the assumption that I was asking questions that I wasn't asking or the assumption of all kinds of things. Right. And I, I think for me, that was like, okay, there's still a little bit of a boys club to get in. Um, and I think that that's where I have sort of come up against the gender, or even when we're talking about who we like to listen to. I, I'm on a part of all these wonderful groups. And it's always like, here's the 40 men that I think are the most amazing musicians. And it's, and then like, I'll be like, don't forget, there's some women out there, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I think. I think we still tend toward it in some places and some spaces. And um, Mm -hmm. I hope 
that the better musician I become, and of course I know a million amazing women musicians who are already there, but I hope that, you know, we can break all that glass because it's all, um, it's all really important, right? And it all needs to be heard. And oh, yeah. I, I use the metaphor, one of my favorite metaphors is, is the idea of a monoculture. Like you have a field and you only plant one crop in it over and over and over again. What happens to that soil? Well, we know that it, it depletes the soil. It, it makes it, it, it ruins it. And we know the Dust Bowl. That's what happened uh, where, where we have. But, but if you take that same field and you populate it with a, with a complete diverse culture of plants and animals and you put that in there, suddenly the soil thrives and everything becomes rich. And that's what I need in the population of my consciousness. Mm -hmm. I need that diversity. And, and the thing that, that, that one of the things that I'm coming to to so appreciate about you is, is your desire to grow your desire. Wait a minute. I'm not going to stay who I am. I'm going to continue to grow. I want to continue to grow something beyond my grasp. Yeah. What a gift. Isn't that a blessing? It's a gift to me because I think that that growth mindset is is has taken me out of so many stuck places and um so many emotional stuck places and so many writing stuck places because i just want to move forward and know more and never assuming with ego that i have any idea but just long in the game right like i want to be a part of the game and like and let me try and let me fail right and and that's the big thing like throw yourself all in say you're gonna live and like just do it and and be unapologetic and figure out who you are and you know be kind and all those things but sure but like grow and and push you know life is to be lived that's for sure so so give me the arc into music all right so we've had the california and you and you're going out there I, what did you do out in california how, how did the the writing and and the music begin to tickle at you and say come this way corey then it still took me a really long time i mean i think gosh i'm i'm sort of embarrassed to say you know i was i was 40 years old um so i went through most of my life just being a music fan and loving mm -hmm. music and um, wanting to be up in it <laughs> at every yeah. show. And it made me cry and laugh. I mean, I, it's always been such a huge healer for me. But what happened to me is I, um, I, I, I got a banjo, which is it's a story of all of its own. I got an <laughs> old time banjo that I found in an abandoned um, cabin in Wyoming. <laughs> and so it kind of starts there. But Around. The universe, isn't the universe amazing how it will put, one of the things, I'm, I'm going to interrupt you for one second because it, it, I think it ties in, is that the, the world will tend to meet my expectations. So it's really important for me to keep my expectations so that if I expect there to be wonders and ideas and be, that it's going to meet my expectations. So there you are in Wyoming in a cabin and and it was a cabin that was gonna getting ready to be leveled, so there was no one in it. I ended up working for like Yellowstone and Grand Teton and stuff like that. But so it was it was just there. It was broken up 
but I was able to patch it together with, um, you know, some duct tape and like change the strings. It had, it always had a crack in it. I still own it. I wish I was at home. I, I would be able to show it to you. Um, and, and I, you know, and, and I would pluck around on that thing, um, but not, not writing music or anything like that or trying anything like that. Um, but, but what happened to me was I, um, I don't normally talk about this on interview. So, so right around when I turned 40, I was diagnosed with, with cancer. And so this major thing happened and I had been playing around with the banjo. I had started my own like little beginners bluegrass jam at my house every Thursday night. I was getting really into the music and was being really well supported by some amazing other musicians. Um, and I got sick and wow. life-changing sick and um and and it it changed my life and i and i yeah. really thought that i might not make it because it was a terrible thing and so i could not play during that time at all i could look at the banjo across the room i could you know want it and i just couldn't do it because it was a thing that brought me so much joy and I just refused to feel that kind of joy in the middle of such sorrow and physical pain and, um, you know, worry and um, just, and so I would just lay there and I would look at it. And I, I you know, got better. Um, and not all of my friends that I met did and not all of them yeah. are better right now. Some of them are back in the fight. And so I live my life right on that edge, knowing that at any time it can all just, you know, the table can just be turned. And I like woke up from that experience and I just started writing and I, I started writing about it. I was going to get chemotherapy. I go in, I wrote this song called Red Devil, which is, is what the nickname of the chemotherapy that I was receiving is called. It's blood red. And I would go in and I would write a line and I'd sing it to the nurses there, you know, and then, and it was a ballad, like my dad, like my dad, you know? And so I'd go in and I'd do that. And then, and then I'd go home and then I'd come in and I'd write the next sentence. And I did that for every chemotherapy that I had until. And, um, and then, and then the cap was off when I started because I just started to pour everything that had ever happened to me ever onto the page and onto the band oh. and you know and it, and it changed my life I've been on the fast track ever since then and you know it's one of the when the student is ready the teacher appears when the student is ready the banjo appears mm -hmm. the experience of cancer and coming with our own mortality that's one of the things that I get to experience at my age is that I have no idea whether I'm going to wake up tomorrow. I've gotten a very clear understanding that mm -hmm. that is part of my life, that my that, that there is an expiration date. No idea. Me too. So, and so in doing that, it has helped me to live richer. Yeah, me too. And and to do it at, at that age. Um, um, really three years ago, I was still in it, but four yeah. years ago. And I, I think in some ways I'm really grateful. Um, I mean, because I get to live, but I'm really grateful because it also accelerated that knowing that mm -hmm. 
accelerated that, like, why should I ever be embarrassed or ever wonder if I should be in the room or ever take my table? You know, why should I ever worry about what you think of me? I want to squeeze this juice out of life and I just want to be alive. And, and that's what I, every day, I, that's what I want to do. So you began to practice and write, and this, were you surprised at the audiences? Because you're having, you're having quite a meteoric rise. You're getting a chance to experience this at the time. People are, people are going, oh, oh, I want to, I, I want to be around you in this. And, and that, that experience yeah. that still has that little girl in the holler, to see that happen, talk about that. So, um, it's, it's amazing. Um, I've tried to sort of put a, I've tried to sort of keep it in perspective, but also um, allow myself to fully be in it and to not, um, and to not feel shame around putting myself out there when there, that shame does exist. Yes. And yes, talk about that because and, that, that is. Yeah. It, it, shame first came for me around like having stage fright, um, you know, like that's sort of how it represented itself. Like I couldn't play and I couldn't sing. So I couldn't show you my full potential because I couldn't. And of course, that's like one layer, that's one shield. And there's also, you know, you have experiences in the music world and they, there can be really rough ones. The people who don't like what you're doing, the people who don't get what you're doing. I do something that's really different. I have a really different kind of voice. And the judgment around that, like, oh, yes. I heard that. And they don't have to say it, do they? They just like, hmm. Well, and <laughs> so like the ego, the shame, the, you know, but I think the grit is always what happened to me then. You know, the grit is that girl. And that girl wanted to rise up. And that girl wanted to be a part of something that she could see. Um, I wanted to, I mean, when I would look at the musicians, I just wanted to play like them. It wasn't about them, you know, it wasn't about like the pulpit they were on, right? It was just, mm -hmm. I, they could, if somebody could write something that I had experienced in my life, wow. And it would move me. And I just wanted to be a part of that. And so, yeah, this, this, this part of it, is I'm just letting myself enjoy it selfishly. Yes. Um, and without um, thinking that I need to, to do anything else, but be present for today. Um, like I'm so excited to be on the show today. That's because of all this. Like I'm just excited for today because I don't know about a future either. And I say that all the time, like, I don't know about a future. So if this interview is it, I'm going up to Philly this weekend. I'm doing this recording with this amazing producer up there um, who's giving me the world. I mean, he's giving me <laughs> and I um, and and I'm bringing some friends up and we're going to do some music together this weekend. And, you know, I, I'm just like I told them, like, let's play and have fun in case this is the actual moment. Not the album, not the like future of where the album goes, not the label. But if this is our moment, we better have the best time ever ever because we're going to be with this amazing producer. Right. And like, so let's go in and just like, let's have magic. 
because we're here and who knew we'd ever be here you know? how Corlin, how does that not be a way of living life of really of, of expecting of getting up in the morning and saying you know what I'm the only one that gets to decide whether or not this is the best day I could possibly live. Yeah. Yeah. We said, there's a self-limiting part of me, and I find that I'm much more the one that needs to needs to have the attitude check and to have the and to have that than it is anyone else or anyone else's judgment. Yeah, yeah. I think that's true for me too. I think that I got so ground down in the illness like so mm -hmm. i some people are warriors yep oh yeah yeah that's not the way i experienced that it's like it's like it was like surrender right it yeah. was like complete surrender and i um i i gave myself over to it because i knew i couldn't control it mm -hmm. i didn't or, or I didn't believe, I also didn't believe God had given it to me or he was going to take it away. I mean, that's just where I was at. Right. And, um, and so by the end of all that, I was really broken open. I allowed myself to feel extremely deep feelings of fear. I, I started going to counseling. Um, Wonderful. Yeah. And talking about, and that's not something that in my family, like there was still, there's still. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. Everybody's going to the psychiatrist and being on the couch and all that. No. Yeah. So for me, it was like being able to, you know, really figure out what am I, why am I so afraid to go die? Um, what, what do I want my life to look like if all the good things happen? What are my fears for my daughter? Like, it started to allow me to peel back all these layers. These holler girl layers, these mm -hmm. you know, housing girl layers, these, um, you know, shameful layers, um, around religion and make my peace with who I was, make my peace, which in my case, make my peace with God, um, and, and just make my peace, you know, and so that I could have peace. And sometimes I get grumpy like everybody else, or I get, or I, <laughs> or I want something, but I found with music, it's like everything else the less i try and the more i just let doors open the more doors i walk through every day i think well that's probably it like there's not going to be another interview or another show and every day there's another interview and another show but the minute i'm like hey will you guys add me to this thing i'll get like a slap on the hand like no <laughs> and so it's like oh maybe life is just us like like this maybe life is just like letting go when the pandemic came, didn't you experience that again? Like for me, it's like totally. I've done the cancer and then it was like, so I didn't have a job and I didn't have like a life and I didn't, and then the pandemic came, I was like, oh, I've done this already. I know how to let go. I have no idea what's getting ready to happen. I have no idea if I'll be okay. And you know, there's a lot of like worry around money because of the way I grew up. And also I've let go of that. Like, I have no idea what's gonna happen, but I know for sure that I'm gonna be okay no matter what no matter what happens right and so i sometimes i'm like everyone else and i get into some sort of like funk and then i remember just to let go of the rope you know that's it you know the the, the that is such a the, 
there is a flow of life. You know, when they talk about the Tao or you talk about that, that there is a flow. And I know when I'm in it and when I'm not in it, it is such a subtle thing. But it, the, the, in order to be able to get right there. Yeah, it makes all the difference if you can kind of like get there. And you have to like kind of, I think you have to keep experiencing the not flow. And then, <laughs> and then to go, God, why do I keep doing this to myself? Why do I keep forcing a thing you know because yeah. maybe i'm not ready and maybe i'm not there and i do believe there's some other universal like feeling energy whatever we want to call that 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 says here if you're ready take a step but just gently take it you know no. just take it and just and be real like no. that thing like be real because how much time do we spend making sure that you like me dennis or making sure that no. like I'm saying or doing the right thing instead of just being like, this is me. Like, this is yeah. my, here I am.